Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our A Conversation With series, where we invite pros from all walks of our industry to have a chat with us about their background and experiences, and then we finish it off with a little Q&A from the audience. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello, Gore community. Welcome back to the conversation. We have uh, a very special special guest here today. Um, and actually, we have two special guests here today, to be completely honest. Um, David's not here today, so we have uh, Jacob flying co-pilot. Um, and he's going to be probably more of the pilot today because he has actually had the pleasure of working with this uh, wonderful person um, in the past. So I'm going to actually bring in Jacob right now so he can do a bit of an introduction. Um, so let's uh, all say hi to Jacob Gardner. Hello, Jacob. Hello. Welcome back. How are we doing? Thank you. Doing good. Good to be here. I am very excited for today. Uh, we get to talk with Peter Ramsey. I had the pleasure and honor of working with him on Rise of the Guardians at DreamWorks. I can say without a doubt, he's one of my favorite directors I've ever worked with. I can go into detail <laughs> about why that is, but it is honestly very true. Um, but he's also been a storyboard artist and uh, illustrator of things like Independence Day, Fight Club, Bram Stoker's Dracula, amazing oh list on his resume. Not to mention directed Into the Spider-Verse, which is among everyone's favorite movie these days. And now absolutely, the sequels are coming out and he'll be executive producing those. Should we bring him in? I think we should bring him in. Mr. Peter Ramsey, how are you, sir? Oh, hey. Hey, everybody. Hey, guys. Welcome. How's it going? Thank you for having me here. Hey, all Agora people. Well, Thank you so much for being here. Corner of the, whoa, sorry. That was a little loud. My bad. What does that mean? Oh, uh, it just means someone just um, someone just subscribed to our channel. That's basically what that means. I'll tone, I'll tone those down a little bit. That was quick, though. You bring Peter on for a half a second. That's it. Subscribes. Can you go. stay here all day, Peter? That'd be great. That'd be really great. Uh, I well, think the numbers will start declining like after the first 15 <laughs> minutes or so, so. Maybe not even that long. We'll see. We'll see. It's, it's really awesome to have you here. Thank you for taking some of your time out of your day to join us it's and talk. Great about to be here. It's, 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 it's so funny. I'm thinking back how long ago it was that we worked together. You were just a, you were like, what, 15 or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> it was, I think it was my third or fourth feature film. It was, uh, it was pretty early on in my career. I was still bright eyed and bushy tailed. Yeah. It was so you were 16. Fun. You were 16. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was a lot of fun. Um, that was, what year was that we were working on? That was, that like was, uh, I, I was on it 2009 to 2012. Okay. So. All right, cool. Um, what were you going to say, Brent? Yeah, I was just, I was going to do a little Google search to just, uh, to sort of try to triangulate, but it looks like uh, you guys nailed it. Yeah. Yes. So before even DreamWorks, um, Mm -hmm. what were some of the things that you really stood out to you in your path to get there? Like I mentioned some of the things you, um, storyboarded on, which were amazing, uh, contributions to like (laughs) pop culture in general. Uh, what were some of your favorites? I uh, you named a couple of them. Uh, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula and Fight Club. I mean, both those were directed by 
by directors I was like just a I worshipped, you know. So uh, those were those were huge, huge milestones for me. I learned so much from both of those guys, and it was just uh, just amazing to be able to to work on you know shows shows that were that where the where the the art of it was so much at the forefront, and where the you know you really got to have a ringside seat at seeing how a really uh, a really great director kind of pulls the movie together. And that's what I was interested in. I mean, from the it's it's part of the it's really the reason I got into storyboarding in the first place was to learn about being a director, you know. And I, awesome. while while paying rent and and uh, you know raising a family at the same time, so it was uh, it was kind of a long extended film school for me. I, I took the slow route, but uh, in, <coughs> there were a lot of some of the sequences. What's that? I'm, I'm curious to know what you what sequences you helped board on uh, Fight Club. Oh, I've watched that movie so uh, many too. times most of them the crazy thing about fight club was that uh fincher and i didn't know it before before going in but fincher was a, is a huge huge believer in in storyboarding or at least he was back then yeah. and it was like he'd storyboarded everything <coughs> so um just about i think the only the only sequence i didn't storyboard uh or the only couple of sequences I, weirdly enough there were a couple of the big VFX sequences that I didn't storyboard, like the plane being, you know, mm. the plane being like you know, torn apart, and and the uh, and the dream sequence in the middle, and I think uh, there was uh, oh the brain, the brain title sequence. Oh yeah, do. that was because the title company was working on that. Yeah, motion graphics guys were probably doing it. Yeah, and the and um in the in the plane, I think that was a thing that. David kind of, I mean, he may have gone straight to previs with that, but it was super early days of previs. So I may be, you know, talking completely out of my behind, but, but uh, he, uh, that was something that he had, that I think some work had already been done on, but everything else, like just about everything else, he would like give me a little shot list or talk through it or, you know, and I would go home and pump them out and, I wonder if that has something to do with his, um, because I believe his background originally was in um, in music video production. I think he was I, like he was directing music videos. I wonder because I mean they, they they probably heavily bore music videos. I would imagine. So maybe that's <laughs> probably, why. but I, I think even more than that. You know, be, before he was even a before he was a director, he worked. Uh, he was doing visual effects stuff at uh, Industrial Light and Magic. Ah, uh, okay, I didn't know that. So that kind of work demands a lot of specificity and. Mm -hmm. and Heavy storyboarding, heavy heavy pre visualization of you know whatever kind. So I think that ex the exacting nature of his films and the way he makes them owes a lot to that kind of thinking. So uh, yeah, th there was a there was a that was a, a really wild experience. And then I worked with him again after that on Panic Room, and we did a few commercials together. And uh, yeah, it was a good guy. It was it was a it was a great time. Really interesting. I I love his work. I haven't seen his work. I don't even know what he's doing these days because I feel like he, like I mean, he was so prolific there back during the the uh, the, the Panic Room and the uh, the Fight Club days, and yeah. then he uh, kind of slowed down a little bit. <clears throat> well, he he kind of pioneered the whole streaming thing with with uh, House of Cards, which you know, yeah, good point. Went on Netflix. It, that was really the thing that kind of ushered ushered in this idea of uh, new, yeah, new uh, new shows. And movies, but there could be some really high quality stream. stuff that isn't direct to the theater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he kind of pioneered that, and uh, 
he's you know the mind hunter and i think a few other things that he's he's been mostly uh mostly concerned with these days kind of exploring that form but you know just put out mank and i know he's shooting another movie so but uh yeah there was david fincher i did a I did a i did like four i did john singleton's first four films oh wow (laughs) so that was super exciting working with john uh that was an exciting time i did two with spielberg uh ai and minority report uh i worked with uh, i got to work with ang lee once who i like worship oh man um so there's been a a lot of a lot of great people that i've been super lucky to work with just in in storyboarding so that was all like a great uh education and kind of prelude to starting to explore directing on my own really you were working directly with all the masters it's crazy what a it was great i mean i'm telling you i still i still pinch myself when i think about uh some of the stuff i got to do it was literally like a laundry list if you'd asked me when I was, you know, what was I like 26, I guess, <coughs> 25, 26 when I started. And if you'd ask me, who would you like to work with? And I'd go, well, this is never going to happen, but I don't know. But... Spielberg, <laughs> <no luck. laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. What was uh, one of the most surprising things to you, if you recall, about working with Spielberg or Ang Lee? Um, one of the most surprising things. Yeah. I think how focused and how, how, fo- how focused they were and how hard they worked. I mean, that's, that's the thing when you when you're with some of these guys, and you, you, uh, you know, you see these movies made, and you think, Oh, my God, these guys must be super geniuses to be able to make something like this, it, they make it look so easy. And it, you you figure they know something that you don't that, that, that they're able to work this kind of magic, because you're not seeing all the blood, sweat and tears behind mm-hmm. the scenes. But those dudes work hard. And they're really thinking in depth about, you know, they really dive deep into it uh, in the process of making it. It's not a, it's not a casual, it's not a casual thing at all. And uh, they, uh, they really give themselves over to the story, like, completely. So that was, uh, that was an eye opener for me and not thinking that it, that it was, uh, it's only something geniuses can do. You know, and those guys don't, they don't have to, those guys don't have to work. It just, they, they, it just drips off their fingers. It's like, no, they come in and they put in the work and <clears throat> that's kind of why, uh, that's kind of why they are who they are. You know, mm-hmm. somebody, I mean, I see a question over here. Your IMDB says your first gig was Nightmare on Elm Street 5. <laughs> yes. My first, my first, my first like feature movie gig was Nightmare on Elm Street 5 with uh, Stephen Hawking directed that yeah what a friggin entry into the film industry (laughs) it was pretty wild i'm curious so like because so you started obviously doing all these like it just almost seems like i I almost want to ask the question what movies did you not work on because the the the, uh the list that you've just been (laughs) casually dropping here and there are just like pretty much filling my list of top iconic films from my uh my years back but i i'm wondering like how did you so because you you started in live action film um, and mm-hmm. it's you started as storyboard artist um, mm-hmm. and just worked on all these huge films, learned, sponged off all, all of all of these amazing directors mm-hmm. and eventually transitioned into uh, the director space. Like, um, yeah. do, you, do you feel like all those years it was was that always in the back of your mind that you wanted to do that or was it just something that yes. just sort of happened? OK, that's cool. From, Interesting. from minute one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was. It literally was. 
<laughs> it's so and it's you know it's you, you have to take yourself back to like it's like a different time and a different era think of no internet right yeah think of like wait what you know just all you know about movies is what you're reading on in in movie magazines and what you might see once in a while on like entertainment tonight on tv or or books that you get from the library that are like you know five years out of date i mean there just wasn't there just wasn't as much general knowledge about the, the intricacies of, of the business so <clears throat> i mean for me and my it wasn't until my 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 early 20s that i was really understanding that you know ordinary people worked in the movie business to me it was all it had always been something that was you know for and you know and i loved i loved movies i like knew a lot about them i was just starting to learn about you know what directors actually did and really getting into you know you know more artsy fartsy cinema and 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 really kind of studying it as a thing but but the idea that you know that i could actually work in it just was, it was there was like some barrier that that uh that idea would never penetrate and i started i started meeting a few people who were on the fringes of the industry hmm. and it just started dawning on me i was like wait a minute is this actually something i could pursue is this and then it was like a thing you know i, I had zero money um you know i had been in college at ucla trying to study painting for two years and it just I, well, it wasn't painting at the time. That's a whole other story. But I dropped out, and I didn't really know what I was going to do. I just knew I was really uh, the 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 artistic, uh, you know, talent or skill that I did have uh, was was geared more toward narrative somehow. And I I gradually started putting two and two together. And wait a minute, you know, I think what I'm really interested in is telling stories with images. That's what I've always been, gravitated toward. And uh, uh, maybe I could work in the movies. I man, I'd I'd really love to do what those directors do. I think I'd seen I'd seen E. T. with uh, with uh, with some friends, and you know we had been big movie fans. So, uh, it, you know, The Godfather and Apocalypse Now, and you you know Taxi Driver, you name it. You know we were into all that stuff. But for some reason, it was going to see E. T. and seeing how how much that movie like took the audience and just like just put a spell on it at that particular mm -hmm. screening I, you know we were at and we came out of the theater and people were so emotional and so overwhelmed and i just came out going god i, I would love to be able to do that i'd love mm -hmm. to be able to do that and it just all these things kind of came together it was like yeah it's that guy steven spielberg who also did close encounters that you loved and made you feel like that and jaws and I was just like, there are specific people who do. That's what I want to do. I want to be a director. If a director does that, I think that's what I want to do. And from that minute, I just started like like everything I could about what it took to be a director. I just started vacuuming up. But, you know, I didn't have any money. I was too poor to make a, a movie. I, I was like, how do I do it? How do I get to it? I can't afford a film. I can't afford a camera. Uh. And this idea of storyboarding came about. I was like, well, I can do that. I can draw. I can draw good enough that I could storyboard something because you know for a long time I thought I was going to be a comic book artist, well, but naturally, kind of like bogarted all that and uh, <clears throat> pretty quickly following uh, that that revelation, uh, I stumbled onto an agency that repped storyboard artists, 
for uh, for advertising, and they were moving in moving toward repping people for movies. So I I had to I, I think I, I think I sent samples in like twice. I got rejected the first time, and then a few months later I tried again, got in, and I started doing like I remember I think my first my first job was like a cat litter commercial. <laughs> this little like indie cat little commercial and uh i just started doing a, a bunch of commercials and after after a year they got me a, a job on an indie feature that was never made but i had enough samples that i could go out and they could pitch me for other work and that's how i got nightmare on elm street cool wow that's i don't know your story is just <laughs> incredible i love it <laughs> I, so I'm how did you got incredible at the time? It just seemed like, I, I'm, honestly, I just see I, if if you guys had been back there, you'd you'd have been well, like you know, why don't you just do this or why don't you just do that? But I was like, it felt like I was like gradually discovering this stuff, and you know, if it was now, and you know, I had an iPhone and Final Cut Final Cut Pro on my computer, I would just started making movies back then. Yeah, you know? for sure. Right, but you, you didn't, so you used what you had, which was yeah. young, basically, yeah. to, to find another way to find that narrative <laughs> structure. You and, Do you yeah. remember the epiphany of when you actually had this sort of because it se seemed like you you had this this creative sort of uh, this creativity inside of you, and it needed an outlet. You felt mm -hmm. like film was a good outlet, but where was the connection made? Do you think to like that storyboard was the obvious sort of entry choice to get to that, that sort of directorship that would be leveraging your current skill set. I mean, was there, <laughs> was it because someone like, did you, was it doing all the research uh, into filmmaking that you dawned on this? Or you're like, Oh man, that's, that's, that's it. That's totally it. Or is it someone, something has said something one day? Like, do you remember? Somebody said something one day and oh, it, the way it happened here, another crazy story. Here's what happened. Cause you would think, that, you know, I had, you know, my Star Wars books at home and they had storyboards in them and I'd see them and I'd get, I'd sit there and I'd go, oh, I could draw that. But <laughs> the light bulb still didn't go on. That's funny. You know, then you should go try to do it. I was working at a bookstore. <clears throat> I was working at a bookstore. Like a, it's, it was a bookstore, a chain called Walden Books. It used to be in malls mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And a guy came in and I helped him find a book. And uh, I can't remember how we got onto the subject, but uh, he said, "Oh, I'm an I'm I'm an editor. I'm working on I I worked on a movie called The Right Stuff." Oh, nice! And I went, oh my God, I love that movie. And we started talking about The Right Stuff. And I guess the guy had been having a hard week, and he was, "Oh man, this is so great! Thanks." You know, he really appreciated me wanting to talk about The Right Stuff. So, uh, so he asked me what I did. Or what I wanted to do. And this was before I had like, you know, this was before I had the nerve to tell anybody I was actually, you know, interested in the movie business. Because mm. I, I didn't believe I could do it. Mm. And even when I'm standing here talking to a guy in the movie business. So mm. I, I just said, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an illustrator, you know, because at that point, I really thought I was, you know, I don't know, I'll try to do comics, maybe I'll do illustrations for magazines or book cover who knows whatever <clears throat> but to him an illustrator meant like a production illustrator aka mm -hmm. storyboard artist Absolutely. so he said oh i know a really good illustrator over at uh, paramount where i'm working on the show now i bet he'd talk to you for for a little bit and and uh oh, man. and and clue you in so i was like wow really you think so and i've i've you know i never would have thought of it but uh, he, sure enough, he arranged for me to come on down, and I met this guy. His name was Maurice Zuberano. 
and he was a storyboard artist who had worked like since the golden age of Hollywood. <coughs> and he, uh, you know, showed me his stuff that he was doing as, you know, some boards he was doing for this project over there. Looked through my sketchbook and he was like, oh my gosh, you could do this easily. You know, he was, he was, you know, super encouraging. And I was like, wow, you mean I could, I could, I could. And that was when it, oh, that was the Genesis moment. as a path started opening up because I think I had already decided, yeah, I want to be a director someday with mm. no clue as to, you know, how I could ever well, yeah. get there. What's but, the trajectory, uh, right? Suddenly it dawned on you saw the path. Yeah. I, I, I saw a path where I could, I could get a toehold into, in the industry, <clears throat> make money at the same time that I was learning and possibly meeting people and, and soaking up more knowledge. So it was like, it was kind of like everything I needed in one fell stroke was answered by uh, storyboarding. And what was the first opportunity you had to transition into a director position out of storyboarding? <laughs> or was there that a immediate step? Well, the, the, the very first nibble at it, because I was always, you know, did, at the same time, I was like, I was writing, I was teaching myself to write. So I was always, I was trying to churn out these, you know, mediocre scripts. I was always just reading and vacuuming up everything I could about about movies and movie making. And I was working, I had worked with John Singleton on, a, <coughs> excuse me, on Boys in the Hood, and we really hit it off. Oh, man. Yeah, it was great because, you know, I, I don't know if a lot of people know, but John was a, talk about a film nerd. He was a super film nerd. So yeah, we would talk about forever that. about Spielberg and about, you name it, man. We would, we would just like, dissect things together and so on this on his second movie poetic justice i remember we were just starting and uh i had turned in uh turned in a scene i had been working on and he was leafing through it and he was really liking the you know some of the ideas and i said man i don't know if you ever want to be a director or anything but you should really think about it and i was like hey why do you think i'm doing this you knucklehead i mean that's yeah. exactly <laughs> what i want to do and right on the spot, he went, you know what? We have a, like a week of second unit that we need shot that the producer was going to no. do. Wow. But he can't do it. I'm going to I'm gonna push you for it. Oh, man. And, it was, and if anybody's seen that movie, Poetic Justice, the part of the plot is, is uh, this mail truck that goes up the California coast to uh, it's that's kind of the spine of the story. It's this like road trip. And so all the stuff of the uh, the truck going up PCH and, you know, taking all these windy roads, that was us on the second unit out there shooting that stuff. So John Singleton was responsible for me wow. getting my first, uh, my first little directing experience on a uh, <coughs> studio motion picture. Excuse me, my allergies are messing with me here. But uh, yeah, that was like the first real bite of the apple. And after that, I did a couple couple more second units for John, and then I did uh, <coughs> then I did uh, what was the other? Was it next one Tank Girl? Yeah, it might have been, might have been. <laughs> of Tank course, Girl, you worked on Tank Girl. It, it, of course, it was nineteen. It was late nineties. Movie called Tank Girl, and I uh, got the second unit on that, and that was like a that was a big that was a big second unit. That was like a seventy five person crew. So that was super fun. And we did all the stuff with the tank and explosions and soldiers running around and kangaroo men jumping around. And as a result of that, uh, a couple of years later, 
the guy who produced Tank Girl, a guy named Aaron Warner, called me from DreamWorks Animation where he was prepping the first Shrek movie. Oh, he boy. Said, hey, I don't know if you're interested in animation, but I'm working on this thing called Shrek. I think it's going to be new and kind of interesting, kind of fun. And at that time, you know, CG was just in its infancy. And uh, it was basically inviting me over to, you know, be on one of the first story teams for that. And I was like, hey, I don't know. I'm doing this, you know. I think I was probably doing a David Fincher film. I think I was, I think I literally may have been doing Fight Club. And I was, I was kind of like, yeah, animations, it's, it's great. It's cute. But I'm, you know, I'm doing real movies. So I'll talk to you later. <laughs> so, you know, jump forward, of course, Shrek comes out. There's this huge revolutionary boom in CG. And over the next couple of years, it really comes of age. And uh, I get another call from him when they're prepping Shrek 3. And he goes, hey, I, I'm going to try again because I think you might be really suited to this. But, you know, we're, we're prepping the third one now. And uh, I'd love it if you came out and, and check, checked it out. I think it could be a good opportunity for, you know, maybe for you to direct at some point. But, uh, but he also said, I, I think this is a, a really pure form of cinema. And I think you would enjoy it. And I was like, okay, I'll come check it out. And, you know, got to DreamWorks, the campus, and it was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And, you you know, when you're walking around there, it is like you're on a college campus more than other movie studios. This seemed so uh, so geared toward the art and that the mm -hmm. artists were right at the center of the process. And it was like, it was really appealing. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll try this out for a little bit and, and see how it goes. And they just kept like, <laughs> Giving me little breadcrumbs and you know, try this, be ahead of story, be this, do that. It eventually culminated into me getting to direct the first. I think the first thing that I directed was uh, was a TV uh, TV special based on Monsters versus Aliens, like a Halloween mm -hmm. special. Monsters versus Pumpkins. Right? That's it. Yes, that was it. And that was real. That was super fun, and uh, you know, it was a great way for me to really learn learn how how the studio worked from the perspective of a director and then after coming off of that because they were pretty happy with how that went and uh they offered me rise of the guardians awesome and the rest is history <coughs> excuse me yeah yeah it's was, it was pretty crazy it was uh it was what was the i was, I was gonna say what was the most unexpected I, I thing oh sorry sorry i must have a delayed connection go ahead oh that's okay i, I was just gonna say i had never intended to like you know, get into animation, you know, it, it just sort of happened. It was like a, a weird detour, but uh, it's been, uh, it's been amazing for me. I've learned so much. I learned so much about uh, storytelling and writing and uh, it's just been a, an amazing education in, in filmmaking. That's so cool. Uh, you mentioned learning what it's like from the director perspective at the studio. I'm interested to know what was uh, the most unexpected thing that you found once uh, hmm. becoming the director. In that the I think probably the most unexpected thing is how much uh, your how much how much kind of in an unspoken way you're expected to drive the process. Hmm. You know, it, it's a it's a thing you, you're at a you're at a you're at a big studio, and it's 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 this weird thing of you know. Decisions are still being made at the at the studio level and at the producer level, whatever. So there's that, but there is like, uh, 
it's it's one of those weird things where part of doing the job is kind of like is sort of just doing your own thing and you don't really at least i had never quite grasped that until i was sitting in the in the seat uh myself the degree to which that was true and i think i think it is one of those things that until you actually do it you don't really understand that you don't really understand that oh now people are listening to you so the things you say and the things you do and and it's it's, it's not just that you have to it's it's more about communicating the spirit of a project you know what i mean so it's it's uh it's a it's a thing that you kind of have to you weirdly have to be able to 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 be yourself and do it the way you would do it there's like no there's no hard and fast rules really for how to direct you know and that yeah. was like a that was like a, a big one to me and i you know i'd been around so many different directors that i i knew that intellectually to a degree but actually being there and doing it myself mm. was like oh it kind <laughs> of makes you like you know think about who you are and what you're comfortable with in, in a whole different way I'm curious as to what what you feel um, was what differentiated directing for live action versus directing for for animation. Like, what were the big key takeaways there? Was there anything surprising coming out of the woodwork on that level? No huge surprises. Maybe I think in a I think in animation, you know, the process is so much more sort of. Uh, the uh it's a it's a it's more of a marathon in a way in in animation because there's so you know you're building everything from the ground up your your uh the just the sheer you know span of time especially on an animated feature is like that's long you know things are things are happening the the pace that things are happening at you're waiting longer for things to kind of gestate and in that time you know, you can get bored with things just because you're familiar with them, but mm. maybe you shouldn't get bored with them. You know, you right. can, people can, you know, start wandering off on different paths. And it's a real challenge to sort of like hold on to the original vision of the movie because there's so many, because of, the, because just of the sheer span of time, there's a lot of places where, where things can start to diverge in, in other directions. It's not I as true in live action because you're, yeah. you know, you're on a bit more of a treadmill uh, uh, in terms of time on live action. Although it's, you know, it's they're both the same thing. It it really is just that dilated sense of time that uh, that tends to kind of differentiate the two. I think it's kind of at the core of it. Yeah, I've heard making a, a CG animated movie is like. Um, building a sandcastle one grain of sand at a time. I forget who mm -hmm. said that, but that sounds yeah. pretty accurate. Yeah, absolutely. And and live action, you can go out and find a great yeah. castle, but then you have to be ready. Oh my God, the sun's coming in the wrong way. And yeah. they're only open on Tuesday and the rain's yeah. dripping there and we have to be in that room. And, you know, so yeah. there's, there's, uh, there's uh, different strengths and, and, uh, and, and uh, different pros and cons involved with each approach. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like live action, there's so many unknowns. It's like operating in real time and dealing with real time inspiration and real time catastrophic yeah. like weather events. And but meanwhile, in animation, it's like it's almost the other end of that spectrum and not necessarily in a good way. Like it's microscopic. It's like you you well, control time and there's a there's a there's a tendency to obsess. Oh, yes. 
Yes, so, and, and happens a lot in animation. You're 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 missing the forest for the trees. You're you're focusing on details, whether that's a shot or a piece of business in a shot or a an act or a scene, whatever, that you have to remind yourself, no, wait a minute, it's a whole movie, or it's a whole character, you know, or it's a whole sequence that I have to pay attention to how this little tiny piece that I'm focusing on, how does that fit into the whole? And <clears throat> it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a constant thing in, in animation to sort of like, uh, to sort of remember that there's that there is a bigger picture, and you know the other thing is, you know, in, in live action, uh, so much of what you're doing is hoping that you get, hoping that you can capture spontaneous moments, you know, and, and that that the the life that you get from a performance or from a you know a composition, whatever it is, or a happy accident, that that's going to lend some life and spontaneity to uh, to do what you get in animation. You have to invent that stuff from the ground up, you know, you know, Jacob, it's, it's a, that's one of the big things you strive for is how, do, how do I make it feel? Uh, how do I make it feel real? How do I make it feel spontaneous enough that people are going to emotionally connect to it immediately? Right. So it's, how do you uh, make it feel like the characters hearing this information for the first time and reacting authentically and genuinely, and not that you've spent two months trying to figure out the exact performance that you exactly. should have. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, they're, they, uh, it's, it's different ways of trying to achieve the same result, basically. One thing that I really enjoyed about working with you as a director, Peter, was that you spoke to the animators a lot as if they were actors. Yeah. And I really enjoyed getting that kind of <laughs> performance level um, note instead of like you needed the character to feel more angry in that moment or feel more frustrated instead of some other directors I've worked with where they're like, let's clench the fist, fist a bit more. Let's bring the brows down a bit more yeah. because they want to get to that angry part. But they're instead of talking about it in terms of performance in general and that let the animator try to figure out what the performance would be for that character and pitch a new idea. And I think yeah. that was really fun. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think part of that for me is, I mean, you know, one of my, my one of my dirty little secrets, I've never, I've never animated anything professionally. You know, I come out of I kind of come out of story, you know. I'm a, I've, and I've I've done my own little, you know. Growing up, I did plenty of like stop motion, you know, little clay creatures or whatever, and uh, my own, you know, my own crew hand animated stuff. But <clears throat> I'm not trained as a, you know, classically as an animator or anything like that. But you know, through uh, through it's it's really been through like studying performance and studying, you know studying uh, the the little the little a tiny bit of education which is not very much at all that i have in uh, anything having to do with acting but it's I, I tell anybody who wants to direct anything or or i tell animators take an acting class take an acting class because you very quickly uh when you have to be directed yourself as an actor you he you realize what you need to hear to get you to understand what it takes mm -hmm. to pull off a performance and that was a that was a big one for me i was it was a actually dreamworks gave a class called directing for, acting for directors and one of the things we all had to do was be directed by someone else hmm. and you it it really was an eye-opening thing to 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 realize, oh yeah, it doesn't work that well when you just say somebody will be a little happier in this scene. Okay, I, <laughs> you know, it's like, 
you've got to be way more specific and you've got to talk to people in a way that makes them understand uh, how they can get there, you know, what yeah. specifically yeah. what they're doing. And so that, that you doing that a lot. You know, that kind of yeah. thinking kind of informed the way that I I, I wanted to, to uh wanted to talk to you guys, you know, wanted to talk to the animators yeah. and and get you to understand or, or see with me what the goal was and, and you know, well how do we uh how do we get there without uh uh how do we get there without making it all about okay give him angrier eyes or clenches, mm, you know, squint, right. you know. Sometimes mm-hmm. you do that, but what you really want is for somebody to give an authentic interpretation of mm. the feeling. Absolutely. Which to me, it tends to work out much better. And it surprises me a lot of the times too, because I'll an, anim- an animator will come with something like, oh, I never would have thought of doing it that way, but it's great, you know? Yeah, so just like an actor would. For me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you doing that a lot and you would, you would talk about what the character was going through that moment but then you'd also give a completely different scenario that had nothing to do with the film but it might be more relatable on a different level and Mm -hmm. and something that could correlate and find a way for the artist to get into the mindset of the character for what would be uh, you know correlating to what would happen in the film but that was really interesting yeah cool yeah i think it you know it's it's uh, i i know another thing i like or that just the idea of collaborating with people and sort of like Mm -hmm not uh you know i never i never liked when you know when i was a storyboard artist you know sometimes you get shot lists and you know you have to do it this way and don't deviate at all and yada yada and sometimes you you build enough of a relationship with the director and they say you know what take that scene on page 15 and just you know show me something see what you <clears throat> see what I, ideas you can come up with and and it brings you know it invests you more in the in the process and you're you know, you, you, I think you do better work because you're not being treated like a robot, you know? Mm. And it's one of those things where at, once everybody, once everybody kind of signs on, on to the same vision and everybody understands what the ultimate target is, uh, I think you can get great stuff. You can get great stuff that, you know, you never would have thought of on your own by bringing people into the process a little more that way. So I think that, that that's what I was kind of trying to do. And, and mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, to be honest, sometimes you don't have all the answers. But if you see somebody's, you know, like Jacob was one of our guys working on Jack Frost that was like, he would be coming with amazing stuff and great ideas. And it's like, you'd be a fool not to try to take advantage of that. You know, so it's like, You're very it's kind. Like, God, I really loved the other day when Jacob did that shot of Jack Frost and he was sad about, you know, the Sandman dying. So the next time you have a good Jack Frost shot, you're going to go, Jacob, let's see what you can do with this. This is what I'm after. Um, you know, see what you got. And we can and we can work it back and forth together. And it's just I, th- I think it's just it just produces a better, more or a more well-rounded result because you're you're getting, you know, you're getting more talented minds on it, not just, you know, my semi-talented one. And you're capturing that lightning in a bottle that you get on a movie set when you have actors that are riffing creatively, right? Like you're getting that same 100%. kind of inspiration. Exactly it. Animators can do that too, you know? Absolutely. So that's that's what you want, their inspiration in the moment. Yeah. What was it like trying to get everyone on board to the same mindset for Spider-Verse since it was something that was kind of never been seen before with the Good style question. and the, all of that stuff? <laughs> it was kind of groundbreaking in the industry. And it was, 
how was it getting everybody on board to the same thing? Yeah, that was wild. That was, uh, I have to give a, a, so much of the credit to that, to uh, Phil Lord from right at the beginning. Uh, I remember there was, a, before, wait, before I was even on the movie as a director, I, I actually storyboarded on that first. And Bob Persichetti was directing Solo before that. And I was directing another movie that fell through. And then Bob asked if I wanted to come on and do some boarding. And I was like, oh, yeah, because I, I had been in the running to direct on Spidey before, but I had just signed on to do this other thing. And I was like, ah, I missed it by that much. So that when uh, when uh, Bob uh, asked me to come back and do some work, and I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. I, I, I love Spider-Man. So, uh, but, the, but Phil Lord, so, so really early on, I read this uh, kind of treatment and kind of mission statement that Phil Lord had written. And Phil, he's just brilliant, you know, and he had this, he just had this take on it that was, uh, you know, a lot of the, the spirit of that movie was in those early pages. It's very different from what was in the original treatment, but the spirit and the, the feeling of the movie and the, so much of the sensibility, you could kind of feel it there. So I think everybody who read that document had an idea of okay, this is this is the mm -hmm. feeling that we're after. This is the bullseye, and anything we can do to hit that is gonna be right for the movie. So we had a target, even though it was kind of hard to describe the target. We had a target that we could shoot for, and I just think it kind of pulled everybody through that process like a magnet because it was pretty easy. It was pretty easy to know what didn't fit. Okay. What you know? What what didn't work, as as we were working on it? But it was. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, that thing was hard. Oh, it man. was really hard. It had to have been. I'm wondering, like, we're, like, because you know, like, as David or as David, as Jacob, um, that's a habit. Um, as Jacob uh, talked about how the, um, you know, there would have been. A, it was very different. It was like it was unconventional in many ways. Yeah. Uh, there must have been people that are like, it's not gonna work. Like, like, you like do you remember resistance or was it like, were people just caught with a, like, were they really uh, interesting? Usually very little. Usually, oh, interesting. Very little. And, and it may have been just because we were all in a little bubble, but oh, um, from the, from the very beginning, I mean, that was, that was also part, that was definitely was part of the vision. It was like, this is going to be completely different. It's going to be like something nobody's ever seen before. Mm -hmm. We want to stay away from all like animation tropes. We're not going to try to do it like they do in other animated movies. We don't want it to look like it. We don't want it to feel like it. None of that stuff. So, so that is like, you know, the reason that there, well, there's no motion blur in the movie, and we're animating it on twos, not on ones. But they don't right. do that in CG. Well, we're going to do it. You know. Yeah. So, so yeah. much of that Sacrilege. stuff was just just an effort to say, let's do something different. I mean, you know, tr classical CG movie making. Let's face it, it's been pretty perfected in a way. Mm, the the mm. American feature film, you know, at that point, American feature film CG, it was like, well, I, you know, how much better can you make it than it's yeah. already, or in that, in that idiom, in that sort of like yeah. Disney, Pixar, dream, in DreamWorks. I mean, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's going to, it's just going to be the same sort of mm -hmm. thing over and over and over again. And we were all like, you know, I mean, I'm kind of like, I want to pull my eyes out rather than make something that's going to look exactly like those mm -hmm. movies have looked for the past five or six years. So it was like, you know, getting to, for me, getting to work with uh, Phil and Chris who were saying like, 
they just, I mean, they were like, we want it to be so crazy that nobody's ever going to believe that this thing could exist. And we want to try this and we want to, we yeah. want to make it look like a comic book, the book that's moving. And we, we want to have, you know, uh, uh, all, all these things. I was like, can you actually do that? You know, because in my <laughs> experience at DreamWorks, it was like, you know, you hand your stuff over and it was like, well, this is pretty much, you know, what we can do and what it's going to look like. And you go, okay, that's great. And it's beautiful. But, you know, sometimes, you know how it is. It's like you see a piece of uh, biz dev art and you go, wow, look at that. That's so cool. That's so cool. And then you get back from the studio. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is what it's going to be lit like. And what's going to be mm -hmm. rendered like. And, oh, well, okay. Well, it's, you know. More of the same. Yeah. Where'd all that magic you know, go? Yeah. But, you know, you'd see stuff on that the painters were doing on Spider-Verse. And wow. it would, I would be like, wow, it would be great if we could get some of that feeling yeah. in this. And they were like, no, 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 no. It's going to look exactly like that. Oh, and sure enough, amazing. we'd be sitting in digital reviews and there'd be a freeze frame on a piece of artwork, or so we thought. And then it would start to move and we'd be, yeah. I mean, it was just like, they can do that? So it was yeah. a whole different, like, it was a sea change for me and just really understanding what was technically possible when, what I, when what you I, had a studio that was that was like the risk yeah and that's it really wanted. It, it was Sony needed to create that environment where that yes. risk was was appetite like or uh, was uh, palatable right like you you it, I think that people so many of these studios get in the routine of like this is the formula this is how we make money yeah. we got to keep doing it like this and it's it's a bold move to go and be like or we could do it completely different what I find yeah. interesting about the, the, that recipe that that uh, that that your amazing team came up with is mm -hmm. that it it's you say it was like unlike anything that's ever been done before which is true but also kind of untrue because it was very familiar because you borrowed from a lot of classical sources you were very true right. to it. you brought up a lot of these really amazing old i think that the, the idea of the, the the chromatic aberration like from like print media and having that sort of mm -hmm. separation it's like these things these 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 things are end up maybe half or more of the audience didn't even notice um right. they just knew it felt different but yet they also felt familiar because it because it was rooted so strongly in these really great sort of source materials and that's that's what blew my mind away is like you took all these yeah. great ideas that we've been we've been surrounded by and just put them all in the same bucket and then said how about this and then everyone right. was like yes more of that please it's a lot more of that right I know, it, just, I, it blew my mind watching that movie i was just like wow and i think the reason it, it, it kind of worked on a on a you know I think it really is because, yeah, we took a lot of things from, you know, once the idea of let's make it like a comic book and just diving into, well, what does that really mean? Yeah. You know, what, yeah. what, could what? We, what could we take from comics that really would communicate that? And right. on a, in a broader sense, as in, in an animation context, we weren't taking things from other animated movies. We weren't saying, oh, let's, oh, let's make this like a milk call, mm. you know, mm -hmm. thing, or let's, you know, it wasn't that it was like, it was. What can we take from other primary yeah, inspirational yeah. sources, whether it's comics, whether it's, you know, illustration, whether it's graphic design, whether it's other, whether it's live action movies and photography, what can we draw from those to bring them into animation to create yes. something new and fresh? That's not yeah. just chasing its own tail and, you know, trying to repeat mm -hmm. what's been done in animation over the past, however many years, because we're so into animation. It was like, how yeah. can we, revivify it and having yeah. the touchstone of comics it kind of gave you a language right there to say mm. you know it's going to be more graphic what 
you know, what are they, we wanted to move a graphic. How do we do that? Oh, what if we had, like, what if we just drew lines on the characters <laughs> and made them look like comic book illustrations to accent the emotions? Mm -hmm. What if we did that? Oh, and what if you did that? You could do it in the eyes. You could do it in the pupils. What if we, what if we just made everything look more as hand-drawn as we could? What if mm -hmm. we didn't, you know, we want to have the animation style be graphic and punchy to fit with that design sensibility. Well, man, what if we did it on twos instead of on ones? Mm. So it so that you're holding those poses longer. And I have to give all credit to Bob Perzichetti, who uh, who's trained as, as a Disney animator, trained under Glenn Keane. But mm. he was so much of that animating on twos and what that what that meant down the line, technically mm. and, and creatively came from from Bob sort of like lighting that fire and like, you know, really, really holding to that as an aesthetic principle. So it was uh, uh, it was it was it was fascinating to me to to uh, to, to think about to, to learn to think about the process in those terms in like in terms of being really dedicated to pulling off an aesthetic and a, and a vision, really, I, I have to go. I have to go to the word of a vision because the the whole thing, like, really, uh, really was uh, really did come out of that primary vision of we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it like somebody's like nobody's ever seen before. We're gonna make it feel like a comic book. Yeah. Is the um, animating on twos thing, was there a hint of a, uh, or was that utilized for the story a little bit too? I've seen some things online where people said that when Miles is swinging on the web and he's uncoordinated at the beginning, it's on twos. And then when he becomes more coordinated, it goes to ones. No, that's an urban myth. Okay. It's actually right. an urban myth. There, and there may be some time, there may be some points in the, in the anime, there may be a few points that are on ones, but it was really... I remember it was like they were trying to be super religious about keeping things on twos. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's it's uh yeah I've I've heard people say oh everybody else was animated on ones except for Miles he was on twos until he got <laughs> well, no, being Spider Man then he was no right. no not the case. Not, we it, we, we okay? Damn good. Can animated. I just pretend? Can I pretend that that's that was a thing? Because like <laughs> it, it's it's the idea sounds really cool. To each his own. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Um, I go was going to just, oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Jacob. No, you go. No, no, you, no, no. We have, we have, it's going to have, that's what's happening right now. We're going to have one of those fights. 30 years. Fine. Later. I'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, I was just going to say, um, that the, uh, with regards to like now being like, I, let, let's put it this way. You worked in live action. You mm -hmm. obviously had some amazing experiences there. You got kind of pulled into this animation world. Mm -hmm. Um, and it seems to have held you a little bit. So I'm curious, yeah. like, is that like, is that by design? Is it, do you find yourself having, having more, um, you know, is, is like, I think you, you, I can try to remember the quote you had earlier. It was, I think someone was when they were trying to pull you into Shrek, they said, Oh, it's like, it's, it's a form of pure cin cinematography yeah. or something. Like, I can't remember what, where they, what, what, what the, the phrase that you use. Yeah. Yeah. Pure cinema. Like, do you feel like that's true? Was that was that like a you know was that a snake a, a snake oil snake oil salesman's pitch that got you in or is there some truth to that and is that, is that why you're still around? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, cr creative in a creative sense, I think that's a hundred percent true. I mean, if you're you know with the elements that you have at your control and in, in animation, I mean, you can fully you can fully visualize and 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 uh, 
Yeah, you can. I mean, <laughs> literally, you can do anything. Of, of course, mm. there's limitations mm. of what you can do uh, financially, and there's limitations of you know just the the marketplace and all that stuff. You know, um, but you know, as a medium, it's it's limitless. You can do mm. you can do anything, and the amount of control you can have is also uh, it's so uh, you know it's just it's just amazing. But I mean, you know, it's as and as I just said, you know, yeah, but <laughs> that was that on the flip side of that, that was the other discovery was you can do anything in animation. You're only limited by your imagination. And then it's like, okay, but you got to turn this over in two two yeah. weeks. And mm. You only have so many man hours here for this scene and blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. A blessing so and all, a curse. There's always some limitation, but, but uh, man, the things you can do. And then, you know, by the time because i had a great experience on on guardians just you know you just what you can do i mean i i i would so love to go back to that movie with what i know now and be able to mm. do it all over again god what would you do incredible what were, the, what were some of the main things you'd change what would you do differently What's that oh i would uh oh there's plenty of oh believe me there's i've lain awake at night <laughs> yeah, hours and hours like I would do this and I would do that and I would change this and I would cut that scene out. There's tons of things. Um I, I never felt like we had enough time to really work the story. I just mm. I never did. So that I think if I had my way, the third act would be super different. There's a there's a ton of things. But I mean I you know, and that I was I was it was you know, it was my first movie and I was kind of the you know, the new kid on the block in, mm. in the midst of this, you know, kind of whirlwind a lot of the time. So I was, uh, I was paddling hard just to keep up, honestly, through, through a lot of it. But, uh, did you ever feel like you were a cog in a giant machine? At oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And then even in the back it was, of the chain. it's, it's yeah. weird. So, it's weird. You do sometimes. And then other times everybody's looking at you like, what do you think, Peter? What should we do? And I'm mm. like, but but you but the, you, you know yeah now and it's, you're it's listening that weird but it's it's both things it's that weird thing of you're 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 part of this giant machine and sometimes if you like you know if you just like sometimes you can bend it your way you know a lot of times you're 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 pulled along by other concerns and other and other things but sometimes and that that's part of the I think that's that's part of part of experience, knowing that you can do that. I think on Guardians, I didn't fully understand how much power I actually right. could have had in some cases had I just like really pushed, you know. Okay. I mean, and a lot of times I didn't have that power, and I was Jeffrey Katzenberg <laughs> studio, so it's like good luck. But uh, but but you know, yeah, sometimes, and the, and and there were sometimes some things I did push my way on Guardians. Mm -hmm. But it was a learning curve, you know, it was, it really was, uh, it really was, uh, you know, I, I look at a guy, I look, I mean, I still look at Brad Bird and I just go, my God, you know, what a, what a genius, you know, I look at something like, you know, by the time he'd gotten to the, to the Pixar movies, because Iron Giant was, you know, that mm -hmm. was astounding yeah. enough. Uh, and then, you know, I, I, I just look at Incredibles and Ratatouille and I go, God, you know, it's a, that guy's just playing that studio like an orchestra, <laughs> just like he's a virtue. He's, it's, it's, yeah. So it just that level of uh, of understanding 
of how you can guide an entire production is uh, that's that's really special. Interesting. I like. I think it's fun that someone like you, with the crazy amount of experience and success you've had, still look at other people and be like, "Man, that guy's so great." They, they do. Oh, so, it's, yeah. it's, it's, mean, it's 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 awesome to to hear that. Like, it's. Uh, I guess you always I, have. I mean, everyone's got someone to look up to and be inspired by, right? Everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like I've hard I, as long as I've been around. I'm just like, God, you haven't done anything yet. You just haven't done anything. <laughs> When I think of the people that I really look up to, I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah. you got a lot of catching you, up to do. You're right. After this conversation, I'm actually wondering why you're on the show. You sound like a, you know, kind of a bit of a, bit of a slacker, to be completely honest <laughs> with you. I mean, dead I don't know weight. how other yeah. way to say it. Yeah, dead weight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so we talked a lot about the past and all these um, amazing things you've done. I, we, we're coming up on our last half hour. We usually do some Q and A, but there are a couple of things I wouldn't mind talking about before we get into that. And that would be. Where are things going? What are you doing? What do you find yourself doing now? Like what, what excites you? What, what do you feel is, is in the future for Peter Ramsey and possibly even the space you operate in? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, wow. It's well, you know, as a, 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 I'm kind of, I'm really reaping the benefits of, uh, of having been associated with Spider-Verse, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's like, uh, it really is like being on a, a team that wins the Super Bowl, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, so it's uh, I've I've gotten a, a a little more freedom and and more I'm work <laughs> just I pinch I again I I pinch myself it's just like when I was storyboarding I pinch myself some of the people I get to work with now and and some of the opportunities that I get and uh, I'm uh, I am uh, I'm executive producing on several animated projects <coughs> that I'm really excited about there's. Uh, there's one at Netflix called uh, Prince of Port-au-Prince that's set in Haiti. It's being directed by a, a really genius director named Kibwe Tavares. Uh, it's going to be super cool. Um, there's another project at, at uh, another one at Sony that's in very early stages, but it's uh, set in South Africa. That's really great. Um, uh, there's... Uh, what else? There's a, oh yeah, there's that Spider Verse two that you know. There's, oh what? I'm uh, I'm 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 kind of like I'm I'm not you know day to day you know intimately in, involved with that one, but I still see stuff and I you know I you know give my two cents every once in a while. And, well, your and, role's and, changed. You're you're no you're not directing yeah. that. You're operating I'm, on a higher level, right? You're executive producing it, correct? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm just I, and which is which is which is really just like, you know, every once in a while if they, you know, they're they're all tired of looking at it themselves, they want another point of view and I come in and <laughs> you know, give my two cents. But uh, that's going great and that's going to have some it's it's going to be really cool. We should buy it. Say much about it, but right. it's awesome. going to be a blast. I, I'm what's that like? So like, so now you're, you know, we just casually drop the fact that you're now executive producing things, but like, is that <laughs> like, that's a whole other thing to like, of course, wrap your head around. Like what's that been like transitioning into a role like that? Oh, it's, uh, it's wild. It's, it's, it is one of those things where I'm like, people want to know what I think. What, what are you laughing at? <laughs> what is this? And, uh, it's it's a it's yeah it's a strange thing it's it's an it's an adjustment for me because I, I so much of my career has been uh, you know kind of uh, uh, I mean I'll just put it bluntly executing other people's ideas mm. you know or or helping 
signing on to other people's visions and and helping to you know make those work mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. while kind of like having my own kind of in my That's little right. you know my little treasure chest locked off you, to the side you've been but, shepherding um, other people's sheep as opposed yeah, to your own yeah exactly totally and now it's like hey i got a little couple little caps of my own over here this is great yeah so so finally a- being able to sort of uh to to uh put my own stuff out into the world, which is gradually starting to happen. Uh, finally, really being, being, uh, you know, being in a position, honestly, where, where people are like, well, what do you, how would you do this? What do you think? What do you, you know, after kind of, you know, getting some validation on, uh, on uh, a couple of things. And uh, so that, that gives you a sense of, you know, confidence and achievement. And, and, uh, but as I said, it's like, I, I do, I, I'm lucky that it took me so long and that I have the perspective of not thinking that I know everything, mm. you know? So mm. I think it lets me, I'm, I'm kind of more relaxed about what the making of these things, because I know how fluid of a process it is. And I, mm. I, uh, I, I've, I've learned to trust my instincts a lot more, a lot more. So I, I'm, that's a, that's a huge thing. I guess you'd have they, to because now you have lots lots of projects happening at the same time. You're involved in multiple yeah. rather than being laser focused on like one, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's very true. I mean that that is another thing. Once you start, you know, being considered a, a director in your own right, you're like, oh, I gotta have like 17 things going because only like two of these bad boys are ever gonna amount to anything. <laughs> but um, what else am I doing as director? Uh, I uh, we were talking about it a little bit before. Uh, I I did a a little animated short uh, for the We the People series on Netflix, mm. which was super fun. I worked with the the company uh, production company Buck, and uh, that was great. And, uh, and that was produced by Barack and Michelle Obama, right? Well, right. Yeah. The, hi, their How did that come about? Was involved in it, and Chris okay. Nee, who does Doc McStuffins and all that other stuff, she was the real like driving force on that one. And then uh, a bigger thing that I actually, you know, put on my directing hat for is a, a hybrid miniseries for Netflix called Lost Ollie. Hmm. And that is, uh, it's adapted uh, from uh, an original book, again, curiously enough, by William Joyce, who did the Guardian stuff. Hmm. But a Shannon Tyndall, who created Kubo and the Two Strings, was the, the creator and the uh, uh, lead writer and showrunner of the series, and it's it's a four part miniseries, and uh, it's uh, I we don't have a we don't have a release date yet, but we're 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 closing in on finishing uh, the animation. Uh, I shot all the live action stuff with the actors and and uh, and the plates in Vancouver last year, and we've been working on the animation with ILM for the past year. So uh, that's super exciting. I can't wait for people to see it. It's going to be, uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I feel like it's another one of those things like, hey, you haven't quite seen anything like this. No, that's oh, cool. I'm yeah. It's, excited. it's pretty different. Uh, it's pretty different. Shannon is a great writer as any, anybody who knows Kubo, you know, it's, it's that guy's brain, you know, on, on a, on a whole new project. And I think it's super interesting. That's awesome. So all of those projects sound like uh, still hurting other people's sheep. What about your sheep, your projects? Um, you said they're you know starting. What? It's, that- yeah, I, and and I, I I would I would say kind of, I would say yeah to to a degree. Ollie Ollie was a thing where uh, where I really sort of feel like uh, 
I got to play the director role in a way that was really, uh, really more as an equal collaborator. Mm. You know, it was really working with Shannon. He and I are good friends and we even like read each other's writing and all, all kinds of stuff. And uh, it was, it really was like a, a true back and forth. So that one feels like, oh yeah, that's, cool. it feels like there's a lot of me in there. And, and, and awesome. so I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of what we did together on Ollie. But in terms of my own little, like, you know, hundred percent Peter Ramsey sheet. Uh, mm. There's a uh, there's a couple of live action projects I'm connected to. There's one of them that is a uh, uh, in development uh, that is a, uh, a live action uh, story of the the John the Robert Johnson legend Robert Johnson the blues singer. Okay. And it's sort of uh, it's it's about it's not a straight biopic. It really is more about the legend of. The guy mm. who supposedly sold his soul at the okay. crossroads. So it, it's cool. a take on that. Uh, there's a there's a couple of other live action projects that are you know that I'm connected to, uh, that I'm attached to rather. Uh, and then there's another one that I wrote myself that uh, Paramount is uh, Paramount is on board with. And, oh, that's uh, exciting! Yeah, that Congrats. one's super fun. That's something I've been working on for a little bit, and uh, I'm on the uh, I'm rewriting it now. Um, dealing with studio notes and, and wrangling those and rewriting and we'll see uh, we'll see you know yeah we're just hoping for a green light at some point and hope I actually get to do it but uh, it's got is that a, one live action or animated that's, this, this is live action this is live action okay. it's kind of a it's kind of a supernatural thing set in uh, Los Angeles in uh, the late 1950s cool so sure. it's, a, it's around uh, it's around the time that my mom and dad came to town, so it's got a mm. lot of a uh, lot of a lot of stuff drawn from like you know their kind of it's kind of mm. their world when they were like you know you most of your your guys' age. I'm I'm older than a lot of you guys, so. but it's it's uh, it's I, I I hope it's going to be really fun and and uh, again you know it's just striving for like what can be like totally different, what can be really something that's what's a combination of elements that people just will be waiting will be going like, wait a minute, what? How did you put those things together? And why does it seem to work? You know? Mm, cool. Kind of I, 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 I can't help at that forefront of what's different. How, what have we not seen before? And how yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I can't help but to think like, what would what would that young Peter Ramsey that worked at that bookstore think if you could go visit him now? Oh. And be like, yeah, you know, if, what if I told you, kid, that in years from now you'll have Paramount optioning one of your friggin' uh, one of your stories, one of your your screenplays? You'd be like, man, I, I don't even read I don't even write screenplays right now. Yeah. Like, I'm, an, I'm an illustrator, damn it. That that must have that would just blow that kid's mind, man. He that, would not. He would. Part of him would go like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Part of right. part of him would had That's enough part ego of the plan. to be like, you know, yeah, those yeah, were yeah, like yeah. the the fantasy daydreams, you know, way, way off, but no, he'd be totally blown away. Totally oh, blown so away. Awesome. And there's, there's a couple of things I can't talk about yet that he'd really be like, mm -hmm. like a gog at, but th those are, those are still under wraps, but, uh, but everything that's happening now, I mean, to have, if I just told him you're going to work on a Spider-Man movie one day. Oh yeah. 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 Falling down dead on the yeah, floor. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because at that time, it would you have any good. advice for that for that kid? Uh, yeah. Yes, I do. I do. I have plenty. Uh, just don't quit. Mm. Keep doing it. Just don't whatever. If you 
if you if it feels you know if it really feels right to you and you love it you know and and uh and you really want to you really want to be part of it don't quit you know there's going to be setbacks but it's like it's like you're climbing on the side of a mountain in a in a in a windstorm you know <laughs> you just hold on when the when the wind is trying to blow you off and then when it calms down just <laughs> just keep climbing up and you will you'll get there that is that is that is one of the weird mysterious things to me about this business is that if you just keep trying and you don't you know you don't accept setbacks and you have to you know you have to do it in good faith you can't be you know don't be an asshole and don't don't uh don't you know you can't you're not going to cheat your way into it if you're sincere about what you're doing and you're putting in the work something at some point is going to happen it's just mm -hmm. it's I, I i would i almost guarantee it so I, I just tell people just don't quit just keep going that's awesome. the number one biggest thing and and don't be an asshole <laughs> yeah, and don't be an it's usually good advice in general. Yeah, closely followed by that because, as, <laughs> yeah. as you know, as you guys, as many of you probably know, it's you know you'll it's the PA who's bringing the lunches or the coffees, and mm. oh, five yeah. years they're going to be running the studio. So well, it, I mean, like you, t it also it goes to show you that like you had this amazing earnest conversation with some editor that worked in the film industry at, yeah. at, at that day. And like, and because you gave all of yourself to that conversation, they right. were inspired by your, your, your infectious right. enthusiasm and they couldn't help themselves, but to give you a little bit of a helping hand. Cause they're like, you will, you deserve this man. You're excited. And like, I there, and now here we are. I, when I told yeah. him, Oh, I love that movie. The right stuff. I love this. Yes. And he was like, you know what that make, I was, I was so depressed and down making that movie. It was so hard and this and that. And really, wow, to know somebody exactly. likes it that much really does something. For, and I was like, wow. wow. Yeah, The Right Stuff is a pretty cool movie, though. But for those who haven't yeah. seen that movie, it's a movie oh, about it's um, essentially, yeah, it was it was the, the trip to the moon, was it not? Great movie. It, it was it was about the original uh, Mercury original. astronauts. And That's how right, they had yeah. Been test pilots and That's right. Yeah. fantastic movie. I see somebody in the movie. chat asking, Another question. Yeah. A lot of time, a lot of the time, people in your position start in their twenties or younger. Is it possible for somebody in their mid to late thirties to get to where you are? Yes, absolutely, hundred percent. I'm. I consider myself very much a late bloomer because I, I, I started a family relatively early, so mm. that you know, that uh, you know, you have other concerns. You can't be a hundred ten percent, you know, all career all the time. So there's going to be other things in life that are just as important as a career that, you know, that you have to, that you have to pay attention to. But I don't think, uh, yeah, if you're, you know, if you're older, you know, I didn't start like actually getting the chance to really direct stuff pretty much. So I was getting into my forties, you know, yeah. and I had wanted to do it since I was in, I was like 19, I think when I said, I'm going to be a director someday. That's right. You were ready. You know? It's taken me forever, but I mean, that goes with the don't quit part. You know, it's yep. like even you're going to start feeling like an idiot that it hasn't happened by a certain point and you're going to get, you know, you'll be disheartened because you think you look ridiculous and you're going to give up. And it's like, well, don't uh, just try, try to stick it out. If it's really, you know, if you really want it, if you really and you really, you know, I guess you got to be semi-realistic too, but mm. only semi, you know. Yeah, 
I mean, I think that that whole realism part is, I think, the hard part that some people have to, to have to balance in their brains. You know, what I mean, not yeah. everyone can be a Peter Ramsey or a Steven Spielberg, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that like, that's some sort of a failure. Just to be able to work in an industry that's as exciting as film industry yeah. is already a big that's, you know, especially if you are. It seems like a big gap anyways, if you're just starting out, like there's a lot to, to happen be, between going to school for something and actually getting that first job, you know, what yes. I mean, so. And you never yeah. know what happens when you get there. It could, you could, you could, it could just snowball. Basically, is what happens to so many people. That's it. And you, you can't. You know, it's, it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy of like this. You know, instant discovery or like, you know, yeah, there are like you know Mozart level people or or uh, or uh, you know people really brilliant who, you know. I mean, you, you you look behind a lot of those stories and, you know, of course, there's always the, oh, where his dad was this, or, oh, the, they were in the business since then, or, oh, they had these connections. Right. And there are also some people who, oh, they devoted all their, you know, every waking hour and, you know, to make some little short film by when they were 18 that blew up on the festival circuit and here they are. So there's, yeah, there's those stories, but, but uh, you know, if you're, if you're doing the work, if you're putting the work in and really sincerely, uh, sincerely uh, going after it and you don't give up, that's, I'm telling you, just keep doing that. That's going to, that's going to pay advice. off one way or advice. another, one way or another. I'm going to use, gonna I'm going to use this as a segue to actually answer, uh, get put more questions up because we are in that yeah. segment of the show. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to keep throwing Not yourself. at all. Um, Scott's been handily putting them aside for us. So I'll just drop them here kind of in order. So we have mm -hmm. one here from, um, um, I can, I can never pronounce these handles. Vilsco. How do you feel about the spider verse? Um, um, so how do you feel about the, how do you feel about that the Spider-Verse influenced so many people, uh, so many people's um, sort of uh, desire to pursue okay, a career. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time. I think I might be having a stroke. She sells, um, she sells. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So basically, how do you feel about it being such an iconic film that you literally are now generating interest in an entire career? You have young people now it's, going, I want to be an animator because I saw this movie, just like you wanted to be a director because you saw E.T. Yeah. How does that make you feel? amazing i mean that's like you can't get you can't get better uh you can't get better praise than somebody being inspired by what you've done it's absolutely it's absolutely incredible to me because yeah you're right that was exactly the feeling that i had when i was a kid you know sitting in a movie theater seeing something and going my god yeah. this feeling that i have from, from watching this yeah. i wish i could be a part of that somehow you know, I wish I could be part of something that made me feel like that or made other people feel like that. Yeah. And that's like, that's the greatest, man. It, it, I remember, you know, the, the, the reason that I, that I didn't, I think the reason probably that I didn't jump off a building after Rise of the Guardians didn't do well when it opened at the box office was because I would get, I would get all these, I would get letters. I would get people coming mm -hmm. up to me after screenings. And yeah. telling me how much that movie touched them and gave them their oh, yeah. childhoods back and how much it meant to them and how they'd like, I mean, I'm, I'm not joking. I got more than one letter saying with a version of my son or daughter uh, was autistic and they mm. haven't laughed or cried in five years mm. and saw Jack Frost and they cried, they, lit up. they laughed, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, you go like, wow all the like 
the blood, sweat, and tears that you put yeah. into these things, they reach it reaches people, you know, and it yeah. and and just like this, I'd, there'd be I'll be signing like you know art making of books, you know, someplace, and there'll be like guaranteed more than one person. I just want you to know, I got into animation because of your movie, or I got I became a writer because of your movie, you know, and it's like you can it's only like yeah a circle. A, i'm sure it's happened to you jacob i'm sure that's happened to you oh for sure that's uh, definitely not as much you. as it's happened to you <laughs> i have i actually got i did receive uh, a handful of fan mail at dreamworks because yeah. of jack frost people somehow researched online that i was part of the jack frost mm. team and they sent their own drawings and how it reached them and and things similar to that that was, yeah. was really cool. that movie especially seems to touch people um, yeah, that, yeah. even really. though it didn't have a gigantic box office but that's yeah, success it's like success on a different level, right? Like it's like, you know, oh, yeah. it, it, and I guess as a filmmaker or just anybody who gets paid to do this job, it's hard to, it's hard to, uh, to not be a little bit concerned or somehow measuring success based on like the return, yeah. like the, the actual, you know, the, 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 the money aspect of, yeah. a, of a property. Um, but like, it's nice when it can, when it can have, when this can happen, where it's like, it, it's, it's cause it's not supposed to be just about the money. Right. It's like, it's nice oh, yeah. when it can be about actually bringing a story to people that actually, you know, makes them feel good about something or, yeah. or, or can help them with something, you know, like it's, that's, that's like next level as far as I'm concerned. Just full disclosure, I'm, I'm not saying this because you're on the, the call, but this is a um, um, a Guardians uh, friendly house. We definitely are big fans. <laughs> but, yeah, but I, I, it's I do. You, do you feel like just? I mean, I, I, this is kind of going backtrack really quick. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. But do you feel like there was a reason why it wasn't? Um, like because if it's touched so many people on that level, why then do you think it wasn't yeah. a, a success in the box office the way it should? Was it a marketing problem? Like I'm just curious. I mean, I think it was marketing. I think it was uh, the release date. Yeah. I think it was. Uh, I, I think it primarily was a combination of those two things, because because uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it sounds kind of weirdly trivial. But it was a. It got released on the weekend before Thanksgiving, and it was. A, oh. It it's got Santa Claus in it, so it looks like a Christmas movie. Mm, mm. And I think a lot of people were like, "Oh, we'll get to that later." Mm, interesting. We're still, you know, I'm driving yeah. cross country to grandma's yeah. or whatever. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think there there's definitely the 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 weekend they chose to open it. I think there there was also a, a, the thought in marketing at the at the time. <laughs> Wow, I'll never forget it. Was that's like, well, there's no other animated movies coming out around this time, so it'll be the market will be all ours. Neglecting to, you know, take into account that Skyfall had just opened a week before, which mm. was becoming this massive Huge. like runaway hit. Also, I think the same weekend or the weekend the same weekend the the latest Twilight movie had opened. So yeah. it was this thing where it's like. It was this new, this kind of new phenomenon of, mm. you know, the competition for animated movies now is not just other animated movies; it's just other movies. Period, yeah. because of how how many how much overlap there there is that there wasn't before with animated movies. So I think yeah. it was that as well. And I think I think there was just a fundamental misunderstanding of what that movie actually is, which it's like this, it's like an epic fantasy with these characters. Yeah. And it's not just, I think the advertising kind of made it, you know, uh, at least the TV spots 
made it look like uh, it was like, you know, despicable me with with true. Know, at Christmas time or something like that. I remember being surprised by the movie when I watched it, which is yeah. usually a sign that the mar the way it marketed itself was not I what heard the film it really over was. and over and over again. People I was would surprised. Go, people would go, you know, I saw that movie and it wasn't yep. anything like what yeah. I expected. Yeah. And the crazy thing to me is, you know, you get your little cards back from the preview audiences when you preview it and the mm. movie was scoring like like yeah you know super high and people would write what are your favorite things about it what do you you know what did you like most and i'm like why don't you make that the advertising yeah. <laughs> what are the things that you're saying they like the most exactly the story of this boy who had this incredible adventures yeah. Make that the advertising. Yeah, yeah. Don't try to make it look like, you know, yeah. despicable. Yeah. Let me be the marketing guy. Well, but, you know, that stuff doesn't sell. Okay. Yeah, it was, it's, and you literally have people telling you what they love about it. Mm. It's like, just yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, re right. I remember, I remember watching it and like, it was one of those movies and I've, I've, I have a bunch of these movies in, in my mm -hmm. past where you, it's like, I wasn't in a rush to see it at all. Yeah. I saw it out of, out of almost coincidence, almost like, ah, let's try this, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, how, why did I wait so long to watch this? This is yeah. the feeling that I had when I was watching it. And, and I'm like, why are people not talking about this everywhere? Uh, yeah. is how I felt. And I felt like well, I was sort of like maybe a minority. But... <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I, I let me like let's get through the rest of these questions because I could probably spend an hour on that point alone. But let's uh, let's see what we got. We got um, a question from Lark eighty seven. You called out the term spine of the story. Mm -hmm. It's a term clearly defined by Robert McKee in mm -hmm. Story. I wonder what have been some books that have helped you in directing, writing, and leading. Yes, that's Good a great question. one. The McKee book is is fantastic. Uh, I've drawn a lot from that, a lot of just primary understanding about what it is. There's a great book, one of my my one of my favorite books on uh, definitely on screenwriting, but there's also a ton of great stuff on directing. It's a book called On Filmmaking mm. by a guy named Alexander McKendrick. And Alexander McKendrick, uh, Way back in like the uh, the fifties and sixties, he was a director. He directed one of my favorite movies, which which is uh, the Sweet Smell of Success. And he's uh, just ultra smart. And he made a few more movies, and then he went to go teach at Cal Arts. And he was the first. I think he was the first dean of the film department there. Yes, thanks. Somebody just posted the link. It's a it's a brilliant, brilliant book. And the thing I love about it is. It's uh, a book that deals a lot with screenwriting, but it's written from the perspective of a director who has to take a screenplay and then mm -hmm. analyze it and translate mm -hmm. it into, you know, shots and scenes. And, and uh, uh, so it's a, it's a, it's just, it's super insightful. It's not, it's not formulaic like a lot of screenwriting books you run into. So I would highly, highly recommend uh, that people check that book out. That's great. I was writing down notes actually because that's the second one there. Here, oh, you, would you have both of them or okay. just the one? Just, uh, just the one. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, you're not the first person to say the um, the McKendrick one. I, I got to go check that one yeah, out myself. Yeah, that's a great, 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 great book. Great, book. good. That is awesome. Good question, by the way. Um, yeah. Our, our, that was awesome. Um, okay, we got another one here from Scott. Um, what has he got here? He's got, after working on movies like Nightmare on Elm Street, Dracula, Casper, and Men in Black, do you have any good pointers you learn from storytelling in horror and sci-fi specifically? Hmm. 
you know, I, I don't know that they're, uh, I don't know that this, the, the, uh, the pointers for that are any different than they would be any place else. You know, there's, mm. there's just general, I think there's just general, uh, principles of filmmaking period mm. that you just have to understand, you know, to, to be able to, to, uh, really make those things work. I mean, it, it's all about, it's all about, um, timing you know so much of this stuff is just about timing and and it's about uh creating suspense through how much it's it's when you're telling the audience what you want them to know you know you always okay. just have to remember you're the one who's in charge of how much information the audience gets and how they get it so if you think of it if you think of it that way then i think things start to become a little uh things start to become a little more manageable because it's mm. like, well, wait, if the audience knows this, how does that affect their reaction to what, what I want them to react to? And what if I don't let them know that yet? Or what, what if I only let them know half of it? Yeah. You, know, what if, you want them what, asking questions. Asking yeah. Questions how do I give them, them it's almost like <laughs> in a super cruel way. It's like, how do I just let just enough yeah. oxygen in just That's to keep them alive? <laughs> totally. But not so much that they can run up and go, yeah. hey, wait a minute. Yeah. You know? So which it's is like, or, or breadcrumbs. Maybe that's a little more humane. How do you just drop <laughs> enough breadcrumbs that they they have just enough, but they keep needing to have more so that they can so that they can eventually get to, oh my God, that's what it's all about. So, and that, that's the fun of it too, is, is like, uh, you know, how do you, how do you play with, with, yeah. uh, with, uh, the, the, uh, the audience's frame of reference and their, and their, uh, the amount of information they have. I always find myself going back and referring to Jaws is one of my favorite go-to yeah. like horror movies that was just like, it really, by, by breaking that movie down, and I've seen so many great like talks on, you know, breaking that movie down. So this has been well studied by now. And I just love it because it feels like it kind of it goes against the typical expectations that you would have to do as be doing as a director. Directors are usually trying to trying to, you know, pr provide the audience to want to have something or have information. And, and then you give it to them. And then basically there's sort of this you're, you're mm -hmm. there's a sort of circular manipulation going on. But but with horror and it's like in 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 in, um, in uh, thrillers, you get to play with that a little bit different. Like you you want them to you want you want them to want the information, and then you like you said, you just sort of you tease it to them. You give them just mm -hmm. enough, or you 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 misdirect them in a in a in a good way, so that they have a good surprise at the end. I really like the you take a look at the horror space now. There's so many new players entering the space right now that's oh, yeah. really disrupting it. Like, have you seen the trailer for Nope? Yes. Have you seen? That? Yes. Oh my yes. god! I want to see yeah. that movie so bad. You know, it's yeah, just, and I don't know if that's really so horror fresh. or what. Yeah, I don't you know. know. I, I can't really tell what exactly what genre that is. I don't so, know. Which, which kind of like I, I kind of come back to this point that you know the the all the stuff that you use in horror to create those effects, you use them all in any in any genre. You use yep. them in drama too. That's totally you know, drama can be all about well, who knows what and at what point does this character find out this information that you know, will change how they feel about this other person or this other situation, you know? So it's all about withholding and then presenting information. So, so much of it is just about that. Yeah, totally. Just about that, whether it's visually or, or uh, emotionally, textually, whatever it is. I've got, it's, it's tech, it's three thirty. Well, at least where, where I'm living. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're technically done. Do you have time for one last question so I can Absolutely. kind of wrap it? Okay. Yeah, I've time for a couple. Like, 
Okay, yeah. you're amazing. All right, so we have a uh, question here from Taha Animation. Can you can a director be also a writer that gets to direct their own story? I hope so. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. There's plenty of writer directors. Yeah, yeah. Brad Bird writes his stuff. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, writes in. I mean, you know, you name it, Edgar Wright. I mean, you can go down the list. There's like Francis Coppola wrote a bunch of his own stuff. John Singleton wrote it. You know, so there's yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's probably less it happens left less often than directors that are directing other people's stories, but it, it's not unprecedented. It does happen. Yeah, it's not at all. And it, it's it's I you know the the way that I actually got started really writing myself. Uh, yeah, but and by the way, one of my projects I wrote it, and I'm you know I'm hoping to direct it. So uh, uh, I remember right around the time when I I decided I'm going to be a director, and uh, one of my favorite directors was uh, Akira Kurosawa, who did Seven mm. Samurai and you know Jimbo yeah. and classic, and, you know just one of the some of the greatest films of all time, and I was reading his autobiography, and he was you know he was talking about how he first got into the movie industry way back in Japan in like the 1930s. Mm. And, uh, and I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll never forget the beginning of one chapter. He was talking about writing. He was, he said, if you want to be a director, one of the first things you must do is learn to write screenplays. And like, I'm not joking. I almost immediately put the book down and said, okay, I'm going to start writing. Right <laughs> Challenge <now>. accepted <laughs> right now. And uh, and it's it's so true. I mean, I would encourage anybody who's interested in filmmaking or directing to start writing, start writing yeah. yourself and you just start. It teaches you so much about uh, what are the uh, what are the bones of storytelling? How does a scene work? How do how does what is structure, you know, mm -hmm. which is a huge, huge thing that you've got to know. You've got to know it if you're interested in storytelling. So that you know what you're doing in one part of the, part of the story, how it connects to something you're doing in another mm. part of the story. That's like the most basic way of talking about structure. But yeah. it's like, and it's just a great fun rabbit hole to fall down. Once you start, once you start understanding some of this stuff about how stories are put together, you will never want to stop learning about it. So, I would say, yeah. uh, I would say, just learn, learn, uh, start writing, start writing yourself. And you'll learn tons and tons of stuff. It makes a lot of sense. Um, it's like it feels like it would be like you know it would be to not to not understand the story process like that mm -hmm. would be a lot like a, a conductor of an orchestra not knowing how to read music. It'd be yeah. kind of weird, right? I mean, like, you need, lying. like Absolutely. you said, you need to understand the structure so well because you are now going to be the shepherd. You're going to be the That's one right. making sure that that story will actually make it up on the screen for people to actually understand and how are you going to do that right. if you don't actually understand the story itself percent. and it doesn't it doesn't mean you've got to be shakespeare you know no. but it, it, it should it mean helps. that you've that you know enough about you know that you can say you can you read a script and you, you should be able to tell somebody why something works or why it doesn't okay you know at least have your own take on it and like be able to be able to say you know there's something that happens in the first act that i don't think is paying off properly in the third act and that's why the ending doesn't feel right and you know you've got to be able mm -hmm. if you can analyze things on that level then you're going to be so much better uh when it when it comes to actually you know telling the story and talking to your actors about why they're doing what they're doing and 
like, you know, every, every decision you make as a director comes out of the story and you just have to understand what that means. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. That's awesome. Um, I, um, I just, I want to th say thank you. Honestly, you, you took an hour and a half out of, out of what I'm sure is a ridiculously busy day to come and hang out with us, um, to nerd out about animation, about film, um, about storytelling. And I cannot thank you enough. And I'm sure the community has, uh, feels exactly the same way. So I, from the, on, on my, from, from me and everyone in the community, thank you, Peter, for ha hanging out with us today. It was awesome. Oh, it was a, a, a pleasure. Uh, when, when Jacob asked me about it, I'm, I was just like, you know, I, he was, uh, I'm not lying. He was one of our, one of our real, real stars on that movie. And it was a real important movie to me. So make him blush, make him uh, blush, do it. Well, Hey, he's a super, he's a super talent. You know? so, <laughs> you're, you're very kind, Peter. Thank you. Very no, much. no, 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 not at all. Not at all. You were, you were a hero on that movie. So it's, that's always been important to me. And, uh, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm super, super happy to be able to be able to talk to you again, actually. I was like, Hey, it's Jacob. Oh, there we go. Yeah. This has been awesome. And I'm glad that, that you were able to find some time for us. Uh, yeah. Cause well, yeah, like Pleasure. you said, uh, the amount of projects you have going on right now, I can't imagine how busy your day oh. is. Like you need a spreadsheet to figure out all of the things oh. you have that you're in, uh, in yeah, even little ways. Uh, there's so much. Kind of it's crazy. <laughs> so thank you so much. And uh, this has been awesome. Yeah, oh, it's been really fun for me too. Thanks guys. Appreciate Hopefully it. it was uh, ple pleasant enough that we can maybe rope you back into another one at some point to get an update on some of these these exciting new projects that you're not allowed to talk about. That oh, yeah. That you yeah. So, check back in a few and uh, check back later this year. <laughs> perfect. We're, we're coming for you, Peter. Thanks oh, yeah. a lot. Have a really good day, both of you. And uh, I'll see you on the next one. Cheers. OK, guys. Take Bye -bye. care. Thanks Bye. for coming. Wow, I was trying to restrain myself from not completely um, um, just going full starstruck. Uh, like, it's um, it's funny because when you know when we started our community, and uh, you know myself and Jacob and David, we sat down and we're like, let's make a list of people that we would just like love to have on the show. And this list, we'll share it one day. It's pretty funny. But you know, it was some of these were just we're like, look, let's just go blue sky. Like, who would we want? Like, who are our who are our, the people we look up to, the people that we would love to just hang out with and pick their brains, like just us. Like what if we were to selfishly use the show to literally have people on it that we can be like, tell us the magic, explain it to us. Because we knew that if we brought people on that we felt like that, obviously everyone in chat would probably feel very similar because we all are cut from the same cloth. And, you know, typically, you know, these people are icons for all of us. And um, we had some, you know, there's some pretty big people on that list. And I have to say that honestly, there's a lot of people getting knocked off that list. It's kind of impressive. And I, I, so this whole thing is, I, I say it all the time and I'm going to continue to say it. It's a privilege to be able to sit in this chair um, with people like Jacob and David and every, everyone else who comes on the show and just meet people like Peter that I, for whatever reason, like, I mean, I just had a conversation with Christine as I was uh, upstairs grabbing something to eat really quick before the show. And I was, I was, she was like, who's on the show today? I'm like, Oh, well, Peter Ramsey. And she's like, it's not the, the, the director from, uh, from Spider-Verse. I'm like, yes. She's like, uh, okay. Aren't you nervous? I'm like, well, yeah, a little bit. And, um, she's like, that's kind of a big deal. Right. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of is a big deal. Like it is a kind of a big deal that I'm going to go and just hang out with somebody who is like, and, and then she says, like, how do you, how do people, how do you guys get these people on the show? And I'm like, 
I don't know. It's like J- between Jacob, myself, and David, we just happen to have these acquaintances that that just seems to lead to these amazing people. That and, and it's one thing. It's it's obvious that we would be able to know somebody like you know Kevin Bacon style, like six degrees of separation. But what I find fascinating is people like Peter, who are very very busy. You saw, you heard all the things he's got going on. They take the time to sit down and just talk about stuff like this. And I, I feel like it's, you know, I feel like a lot of them, if not all of them feel like they have something to give back to community, give people hope so that they also could achieve their dreams. Cause they, he still, as you can see, vividly remembers working in a friggin' in a bookshop and ran into somebody in happenstance that just happened to give him his first big sort of, it was that was his genesis moment for sure, and so I just think it's great. It's funny that he said that he's going, you know, he when, when he's sitting in the theater looking at ET and thinking to himself, man, I want to be that one day, you know, I want to be part of that that community, and he's transcended that, and he's now become the person who other people sit in the audience and look at his work and go, I want to do that. It's just it's crazy when you think of how big that is. That's huge, and so obviously him showing up to the show is his way of sort of giving back to that person who's sitting in the audience that's just like he was back in the day. And he's hoping that that he hopefully inspires somebody to chase their dreams and do what he does. Cause he's obviously living, he's that, that, that child in him is very, very well alive. I can guarantee you. And he's, he's living the dream right now. And so, and we get to live that dream vicariously through his work. When you see things like Spider-Verse, because I don't know about you and I know it's, sort of obvious to say that that movie was awesome but like i remember watching that and i stopped dead in my head and was like what am i watching not this doesn't get made this movie does it doesn't even make any sense like some of the sequences like with the way that they integrated the the sort of the automatopoeia like the sort of the the wham and blam all the sort of the the comic book sort of sound um words up on the screen during certain moments i was just like how are they doing that in a way that just seems natural like it's been done before when it hasn't so i don't know it's it takes a takes a special person who's willing to chase those dreams and and just keep 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 climbing that mountain like i said no no, no matter how windy it gets so thank you, community, for being here. Hopefully it was inspiring. This is exactly the kind of conversation we're trying to bring to the uh, to your to your days. Um, to hopefully it brightens them up a little bit. Um, it's not always super bright outside, um, and uh, we understand that. So I, these conversations, I think, are really important uh, because it does give us hope, gives me hope, and hopefully it does to you as well. So thanks for being part of it. See you on the next one. Stay animated, my friends. And... Um, um, I think our next stream is probably, probably not till tomorrow. Yeah, well, tomorrow, not till tomorrow. Tomorrow is coming really quickly. But we are going to have, I think it was going to be a Q&A, but I think what's happening is it's going to be, um, um, I think it's going to be one of our free review nights. So if you've been in Discord lately, uh, you might have heard uh, people sort of drumming up some some interest in maybe submitting work to be reviewed uh, live. So make sure that you go chase down that form. And um I see your hydrate. I see it, Taha Animation. I have very little water, but I'm going to use it right now. There we go. By the way, I forgot to turn off all the channel, channel points um, in the middle of the... Um, yeah, so, and Pitar somehow found a way. I've, I've, I've filled the hole. He found a... He found a uh, 
sort of a workaround there. It, somehow it didn't get turned. One of them, one of them get didn't get turned off. So if I forget sometimes, do 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 me a favor and try to avoid doing anything too distracting during the stream because there's a lot of little switches I have to throw on, turn on and off to be able to make that uh, fun on streams that it can be fun. So just try to use your discretion when we're having a conversation like that because it can be a little distracting when there's lots of crazy noises going on. Um, I'll try to get better at making sure that they're off because it's not anyone's fault if they're on. It seems like why wouldn't I use it if it's on? Um, but sorry, back to what I was saying about Discord. Uh, there is a form, I believe, floating around Discord, I think on the in the the feedback channel, if I'm not mistaken, that if you fill out, you can actually um, submit your work to be reviewed uh, on these free reviews that we're trying to do somewhat regularly. So we're gonna have one of those nights tomorrow. Um, and it looks like Scott just posted in the chat, which I wasn't actually looking at because I was still looking at the, the question, the pinned questions. So that's awesome. Thank you, Scott. So you can actually just click on that right there and fill out the form directly and you will be able to get put in the queue. We just randomly select people. Um, uh, what we'll probably end up doing eventually is having um, sort of giveaways to get like bumped to the top of that list uh, every once in a while. This is one of the obvious things we can do. And basically it's right now, it's for me, for now it's me that does, does these, but we want to eventually have other people come in um, and and do them, especially people who can't can't commit to doing regular reviews. And because there's a lot of people we talk to that want to do reviews and help the community out, but they feel like they're a little bit too busy that they can't commit to being like a regular reviewer. So this is a perfect kind of, um, it's a perfect uh, stage to use for people that can just be doing one-off reviews, you know, spend like an hour, an hour and a half hanging out doing reviews, but it's sort of like, it's, uh, it's one night. They just have to book off the one night and they can hang out have fun and give back to the community a little bit and then move on with their life without having wor worrying about other reviews, totally ambushing them in the middle of some sort of production crunch. So anyways, I'll shut up. I'll see you tomorrow night. If you can uh, make it, uh, otherwise we'll see you on the next stream. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, stay tuned and stay animated.